0: Over the last year and a half or so, as we've been trying to get ready for this, there have been a lot, there's been a lot of discussion about what are we doing, where are we going, what's it going to look like. And I got to tell you, in all of those discussions, um, I was the newbie. I was the new guy. There was never a single class in seminary where somebody said to us, "Hey, buildings are important." I can tell you, in like six years of, of graduate work part time, not one time did a single professor say, "Now listen, I know you want to preach." I know you're going to pray, I know we're going to reach people, but buildings, now, now that can be a challenge. And so here's what I've discovered, kind of quick, you know, s- school of experience, buildings can be a challenge. That's what I've discovered. I, I wish somebody would have told me that and maybe how to surmount a few of those obstacles, but uh, over the course of the last year and a half, there have been a few changes. Now here's what happened. We landed on our space at Cox Road all the way up by Hamilton Mason, right off of the Liberty Way exit, just Six miles, five miles up the road. We're very excited about that space because of the potential that exists in that building. Uh, 10,332 people pass by that facility every single day uh, on the interstate. I just totally made that number up. I don't know how many people <laughs> pass by that building every day on the interstate, but it's a lot. And uh, in just a few weeks, they're going to start seeing the four corners sign up there. What they don't know right now, happening right behind those walls, as they look at Cincinnati Inquirer, and they go, oh, Cincinnati Inquirer. They don't realize that the other half of that building is our space. And inside of it, people are already beginning to pray, declare God's word, build walls, all in anticipation of what God is going to do in that space. And many people who are working like, they, they haven't been around Four Corners for a long time. What's cool for me is I've been there many times when people are working. Is I see people who, from the very first days of this church, have been here working and praying and sweating and giving and loving from the very first day, and they're still going strong. I can't tell you how much as a pastor that warms my heart. I think when Jesus said, I will build my church And no force of hell will be able to stop it. The gates of hell will not be able to hold back the onslaught of the ministry of the church. I think what he had in mind was people who got fired up and no matter what happened in their life, they stuck with the mission of Jesus. A lot of those people are still in this church. And I just want to tell you how proud I am of you. I mean, Jill and I regularly talk about just what a joy it is to serve alongside you as you do this thing. I think of some of you who have made this church happen because you are leading a small group. We have, we have a couple in this church that from the very first time we started doing small groups. In fact, before they even came to our church, they were in a small group. And virtually every day since then, for almost eight years, this man has been getting up at ungodly hours, like two in the morning, six, all right, t- still about the same. And he's been meeting with men almost every week, every other week. And they've, he's been pouring into people and doing ministry. Helping people grow, helping people discover community, helping people realize God's plan for their life. And the impact of that thing in his life, and the impact of that thing in the life of this church, and the impact of that thing in the life of those men is huge. We have people sitting in this room right now. I'm not going to have you stand because I, I know you, you're, you're a bit humble, you wouldn't want that. But they've been serving, like one, one lady has been serving in hospitality almost every single day since we began, either as a greeter in kids' ministry, kind of serving on the front line or in the coffee area, with literally getting here early when we used to start at, I think we used to start at 6.30. Some guys would get her at 6 o'clock to open up this facility. And I look at that and I think, God, what a powerful work you do. What an amazing flame you put into people's lives. And it just keeps giving. I mean, when Jesus said, I am the light of the world, I don't think until Jill and I started doing this with the staff and with you, I don't think we understood just how powerful that light is, not just to shine in the darkness, which is amazing, but to shine inside of us. And what it does in our own lives to light our own paths. I look at people in this room whose marriages were struggling And because you leaned in with God as you participated in this congregation, you've seen God ignite flames, help you get over persistent problems. You've now got a sense of purpose and direction. And what you do with your kids has much more meaning and impact than it used to have. I got to tell you, it blows me away. I am extremely grateful for every one of you who helped make this place happen. When you pray, when you give, when you show up, when you serve, when you come alongside, when you sweat blood and tears with us in the new space, as you've done it over the years in this space and in all the other 42 that we've had, uh, four that we've had, when you do that, it makes the hugest difference. And I don't want you to miss taking a moment to reflect on the impact that this congregation has already have, had. Because I, I want you to, re- to be thinking about that because when I think about the impact we're gonna have, as we finally get a tool that isn't changing and shifting, that that allows us, as some of the volunteers said, to hang out and chat a little bit, to form friendships here. You realize we've never had a place to really do that. We were here before, and it's in and out. We got to be out of here by 11:30. That's why at 11:29 we start walking down the hallway with electrocution sticks. You know, little prods. <laughs> get out they're gonna charge us get out and so we want you to, you know we want you to go but we're gonna have a place where you can hang out and build friendship if you invite a friend you can say now in the future i'll meet you near the front door and there's actually a place to kind of hang out there and chat and kind of ease them into the new space it's going to be amazing and our kids now listen we have amazing kids ministry our volunteers that's that's what makes our things so special but we're not only going to have great volunteers we're going to have great space. We've always had okay space. We've always made kids a big priority. But we're going to have great space to do this from. In fact, I want you to see a couple of the up-to-date, modern drawings of where we're going to be and what we're going to do. It's a little different because just a few months ago, we had a major shift and we had to, to make some major changes. So if you haven't seen this uh, in the last couple months, then, then this is new for you, okay? So turn your eyes to the screen. Guys, would you show us the first picture there? So this is the entire building where it says down here, Four Corners Community Church at the bottom of your screen, that's the front facing I-75 and the grayed out space is the space we're building over here on your right, we're building out. But we have all of the half of that building. So it's it's pretty spectacular, it's pretty big. Now, 16,723 square feet for phase one, by the time we're done, 44,800 square feet. It's going to be amazing. But with phase one, we get a significant upgrade. Now, go ahead and show them the next picture there, gentlemen. This picture right here just kind of shows you where our auditorium is going to go. Now, let me tell you what you're looking at. Again, the bottom of the screen faces I-75. And even a few months ago, we had our auditorium, which you can see there with all the rows, we had it up in the upper left-hand corner. We've moved that down, and I'm going to give you a very pragmatic reason why. When we first started this project, we were told that a good, solid estimate of what it's going to cost us is somewhere between four and $500,000. And every time they would say that, I'd go, oh, can, can we bring that down at all? Would, would that be possible? And then, oh, this is the hard, so I was like, all right, we're going to, four Corners we'll rise to the challenge, we'll, we'll do this thing. Well, just a matter of a few weeks ago, a couple months ago, I sat down for the final, here's the, the hard cost conversation. And that number came back at over $720,000. And your pastor, for just a moment, had a real low level of faith. And uh, I, like, you know, like my, my heart skipped like eight beats. And I went home and I had nervous diarrhea. I couldn't sleep. <laughs> and for like a week, I just walked around crying. And the people were like, What's wrong? I'm like, I can't tell you. I can't tell you. It, I mean, it totally messed with me. So I, the staff and I, we got together and we said, Look, now, 500,000 was a stretch for us. I mean, this whole thing's a stretch. It's a major venture of faith. We really know God's called us to do it, but there's no way possible. It would be, it would be an, a, 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 well, it'd just be a, a a real difficult burden, an ongoing challenge to try to make that happen. And we've got to get in this space. So we sat down and said, what's the bare minimum we could have to have in order to get in? So we began to shift a few rooms around. And what we did is we moved the auditorium from the upper left down closer to the the areas that were already built out when we leased the space. We got rid of some bathrooms and added and made accessible a few more. And we took a space that really didn't meet code at all, and we were just going to shut it off and at some later point take care of it. We decided to gut all of that, get all the wood out of a non-combustible building, get all the wood out, and in doing so, free up you know, a lot of space for kids. And when all that was said and done, we trimmed back well over $300,000, back down to about $400. 420000 for the entire project for phase one. So we're right back on target. And we haven't sacrificed a single bit of utility. We're right back where we were. So I think, I think when you walk in, if you haven't seen it, you're going to be able to see just how clear and how powerful our impact is going to be able to be and just how amazing it is that we were able to surmount that first hurdle. All right, go ahead and show them the next picture, guys. You're looking at the complete other side. Uh, I'm sorry, you're looking at the same side of the building now, but this is the preschool wing. So again, lower level is I-75. And over here, there were some offices in that building. But what we are doing is we're adding some walls, changing the people flow, putting some doors and some nice windows in. And we're going to end up with a preschool wing over here on my left side. That is just phenomenal. Parents of toddlers and babies and twos and three-year-olds will be able to walk by those rooms, look in the rooms with one-way mirror, And the kids will see mirrors, the parents will be able to see in the room and be able to kind of watch what's going on. And that that will really help if you bring a guest with a young kid and they're a little concerned about dropping off the kid, they can drop them off, stand right outside the room and kind of watch and observe for a while. We want parents to know that, first of all, our ministry for kids is transparent. We're going to love them and we're not trying to hide anything. And we want parents to see just how intentional we are about investing in kids. If you have a kid, if you have a grandkid, if your neighbors, if your friends and relatives have kids, this is the kids' ministry that you want to bring them to. They will be loved in a transparent and open way where we partner, here's our goal, partner with parents. So we're very, very excited about what's gonna happen here. Once a parent checks a kid in, they'll be in completely secure space until that parent who has the sticker picks them up. If you don't have a sticker, you're not allowed in the space. So we're pretty excited about that. Go ahead and show them the next picture there, gentlemen. This is the complete other end of the building. This is gonna be the grade school area. And what you see when you look up here at grade school, room 126 there, that was the room that had all the wood in it that we demolished. Um, almost, well, basically an entire house was built not to code in that space. And we were originally going to just, you know, seal it off. But by opening it up, it's allowed us to redeem that space for our kids' ministry. And again, when a kid checks in, there are bathrooms there. There's worship space. There's, m- there's small group space. There's middle school space. Better than anything we've ever had. It's going to be spectacular. Go ahead and show them. I think there might be one more photo there, guys. What you're looking at here is, if you're coming from the Cox Road exit, so on this picture, I-75 is at the top. This is the back corner of our property. You're seeing how we are striping the back corner. This is where a lot of our volunteers will park. You'll come in the back door immediately out of the weather. You'll go to a volunteer hospitality area. We're going to call it, we we call it the VIP room, and that's where you'll get treated special. You can put your stuff in lockers, Uh, if you're if you're serving here and then you can walk to your place of ministry freeing all the spaces around the side and the front for people who maybe aren't fully into our church giving them a very clear and open welcome i wanted you to see all this because i wanted you to know why we're taking so much time to talk about it i wanted you to begin to be able to see the impact this place is going to have on what we already do four corners will be the same in fact, we don't get to play with the definition of what church is very much. That's laid out for us in the Scripture. And we don't get to play very much with how you do church. That's largely laid out in the Scripture. Now, the various forms and methods, and yeah, we can play a lot with that. We, we do around here. We like to be kind of on the edge of that stuff. But what we do and why we do, the Bible tells us all about that. In a moment, I'm going to take you right back to those places, but I want to give you one more piece of information. Five Sundays ago, I stood on this stage and I said to you, we would like to get $75,000 received into this place specifically for Build Lives over the next four Sundays. And that last Sunday is today, by the way. So I gave it five Sundays ago, four Sundays for a total of, I guess it would be five weeks overall, but four, four hardcore Sundays to give. And I ask you to think about if you haven't given, give, if you are giving, step up if you could. If not, just keep doing what you're doing. And if you haven't done anything at all, like if you haven't made a pledge, would you please step up and help us get into this new home? We're hoping that you'll make the transition with us, and we hope that when we get, get there, you'll have an investment in that place. So let me give you the, the amount of money that has come in, and i got to be honest, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty proud of this number. We didn't hit our goal, but it was above and beyond, and some of you reached down way deep into your pockets and made sacrifice. And so what we did is we received just over $35,000 additional, but not point, that's a comma, $35,000. $35,600 has come in over the last four weeks specifically dedicated to Build Lives. This has allowed us to go ahead and keep on track with where we are. Now, I had asked for seventy-five, dollars so we were having to make some concessions. I'll be honest with you, you probably won't get the best carpet when we walk in. It might be harvest gold and green. I don't know, whatever whatever we can pull up. Yeah, but I'm going to tell you something. I'm okay with that. We're going to get in, and we'll do whatever we need to do to make that happen. You, you might want to bring toilet paper in your purses, ladies. <laughs> I I just be honest. I don't know if we're going to have any. So, but we're going to make this happen. All right. So this is the last Sunday. If you haven't given a, at least a token, like let's just say Ben, you know I'm like broke, and like my family we're upside down. I get it. You need to do for your family what's first. First of all, you need to do what God's asking you to do, and part of that is, of course, honoring your family commitment. So, so do that. We're not asking you to, 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 like, you know, go in debt, run this up on your, we're not asking that. But I am asking you to seriously consider giving a token gift. Like, a token gift would be, God, here's five bucks. It's all I can do, but I'd love to do more. And as you bless me, as you give me raises, as you secure my job, as you give me favor, I'll increase as a sign of, of my appreciation for what you've done in my life. And by doing, giving a token gift, what you allow to have happen, is you allow us as a staff to say, our church is on board. People are doing what they can. Now, we, we, we do our best to stay very positive, but you know when somebody's been around with us for a long time and they're involved and they haven't done anything, we haven't heard anything, part of us just like the human side is like I wonder if there's like if they're mad at us I wonder if there's something going on and then we just remember look not everybody's going to step up since the history of this church everybody has not stepped up but there is a core of committed and in this church it's a pretty good size as a percentage of our congregation who make it happen and before I jumped into the bedrock of what I was talking about today I wanted you to hear me say with clarity thank you it's happening now I'm going to go public with our goal right now all right We are shooting, we were shooting for September um, 18th or whatever that weekend is, the third Sunday of September to be in. That would have been our eighth anniversary. That's not going to happen. Without the extra money, we just can't pour money in uh, to make it happen quicker. So we've got to kind of draw this thing out. We're shooting for October. By the last Sunday of October. And honestly, if we get a couple few big gifts, that date will shoot up. It's simply a matter of money over time at this point. So October is our date to be in. By the end of the month, we're planning on being there. And I want to ask you one thing you can seriously help us do. We really do believe that prayer is the battle. You can pray for your church. You can pray for your pastor. You can pray for the staff, our pastors and our administrators. You can pray for every volunteer. You can pray for every person who isn't involved in a loving church that preaches God's word with clarity in a way that people can understand. You can pray for every hurt person who used to go to church in this community that doesn't go anymore. That God will open their eyes and maybe they would find this place to be the place where they re-engage him in a healthy way. Pray for us. And then honestly, you can show up to serve. Um, be- one of the big ways we're saving money is we're doing a lot of this work ourselves. I mean, When it was like at the 500000 mark, we were just going to pay people to come in and get it done for us. We were going to walk in and do the finishes and be done. That ain't happening. We're broke. What we're doing is we're hanging drywall ourselves. So listen to me, ladies if your husband doesn't know how to do jack squat around the house do me a favor kick their butts out of the house on monday wednesday and friday and send them to me and by the time we get done they'll come home with a tool belt power tools anything you need done they'll know how to do it they'll save you thousands of dollars over the life of your marriage you'll have more money to spend you'll have better christmas gifts he'll come home tired he won't be able to you know, complain about anything He'll just walk home and say, I love you, honey. Thank you. It'll transform your men. Send them to us Monday, Wednesdays, and Friday nights and let them sweat. Now, look, I was joking, but listen, what if you said to your husband, ladies? And ladies, you can come too, but a lot of it's going to be heavy lifting and if that's your thing. Bring it on. You know, we'll take pictures. It'll be awesome. But what if you said to your men, why don't you give one night a week for the next six weeks? One night a week for the next six weeks, Monday, Wednesday, or Friday, or, or Saturday morning, 9 to noon. Tell your husband, get out of bed, lazy bum go to church make an investment come pick me up at noon we're going shopping see how that works for you (laughs) send them to me saturday mornings and and say for the next six weeks one day a week you're going to give three hour investment to make our church happen i don't care if they don't know how to turn a screwdriver there's something they can do to help us all right so let me take you back now in the bible to acts chapter 10 one of my favorite passages so here's a funny story while you're turning to Acts chapter ten, uh, when Four Corners first began, here was our original name. It was called the Four. Or I'm sorry. It was called the uh, the Union Center Church Plant. We knew we were going to be at the rave at some point or near here, and so we decided until we had a name, we was called the Union Center Church Plant. And I had this grand idea that rather than me choosing the name and declaring the name, what we would do is we would let people kind of like have input on that. So one day we were gathering as a group, and we hung on the wall four different posters. Three of the posters had a potential church name on it. One of the posters was blank, and we instructed everybody in the room, by the time the night's over, would you please write down your comments on either one of the names we think could work for our church, or maybe possibly suggesting a fourth name. Of course, I knew as a great leader that whatever was suggested would be stupid compared to the things I had already chosen. Now, the name I wanted Four Corners to be called was Veritas. Veritas. Latin for truth. Doesn't it just sound intellectual I mean (laughs) Veritas (laughs) Uh, Veritas if you like see a Harvard shirt that's what's on there Veritas it's ver. it's it's Latin for truth and I thought man we would in fact we even had like a little motto truth in motion we were going to be the we were going to be the church that all the smart people came to (laughs) that's what we were going to do and so I had Veritas up there in like you know 48 point font and then the other names were in like eight point font on, on the thing And by the time our meeting was over, there were three comments under Veritas. One was mine, one was my wife's, and I twisted my brother's arm. (laughs) That was it. But on the blank sheet of paper, somebody had written four corners. And underneath it, she had written uh, a reference to the verses we're going to read. And by the time the night was over, that entire poster was full of comments of people saying, this should be the name of our church. I like four corners. I like what it represents. I like what it says. I like what it shows, and by the time the night was over, I went home a little mad, but our church was named. We have, and will forever be, Four Corners after that. This is the passage it comes from, all right? So Acts chapter 10 takes you back to a guy by the name of Peter and a story that happened to him, all right? So here it goes. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius. He's a major player in this story, all right? Because of Cornelius, there is a church called Four Corners. Seriously, you're going to see how important this story is in a moment. There was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, in what was known as the Italian Regiment. So he had some rank. But he's not, at this point, a typical Jewish. All the early Christians were Jewish. He's not a typical Jewish man. He's outside of that heritage. He's a Gentile. He's a non-Jewish person. He and all his family, they were devout and they were God-fearing. And he gave generously to those in need and he prayed to God regularly. So there was an internal faith. He was devout, but it expressed itself out he gave and he prayed he gave and he prayed one day at about three in the afternoon he had a vision that's pretty cool and distinctly he saw an angel of god who came to him and he said (laughs) not surprisingly cornelius called him by his name Then cornelius stared at him in fear you would too by the way if an angel showed up almost every person that ever had an angelic visit their first response was fear how do we know that because often the first words from the angel's mouth is don't be afraid don't be afraid, all right? I, I, I've made this comment before, but have you ever known so many people like having visions of angels and stuff, and they're always like nice and cute and sweet and little church? In the Bible, at least, I don't know what you do with this. You can do what you want, but in the Bible, when an angel showed up and you really had a moment with God, the first response was, oh God, don't kill me. You're holy. I'm not, wow, oh my gosh, I'm overcome. What am I gonna do? I'm... And there was this immediate humbling that looked an awful lot like fear. So Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he asked? And the angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. God's seen what you do. That's what this angel said. According to this, God has seen what you do. He's seen your heart. He's seen you. And it's come up as an offering before him. Your acts given unto God, God sees them. He marks them. They mean something. Nobody may ever give you credit, but God sees every bit of it. Whether a pastor ever stands on a stage and says thank you or not, God sees the investment. Whether anybody ever notices it or not, God sees it. And it's come up as an offering before God. Now send men to Joppa, a different city, to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. This is the famous Peter of the New Testament that walked with Jesus, that betrayed him. That Jesus asked him, do you really love me? Well, if you love me, get about my ministry. Love people. Feed my sheep. It was the Peter who gives the first message on the day of Pentecost. And thousands of people turn towards Jesus when Jesus. When the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit is poured out on people. It's a powerful, powerful transitional moment in Cornelius' life. But it's also going to be powerful in Peter's life. And he says, Peter is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. Now about noon the following day, here's where it gets interesting. God, God's arranging some stuff. As they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. You know, just getting close to God, I guess. I don't know, or maybe it was a quiet place. And he became hungry, and he wanted something to eat. Have you ever noticed when you go to pray, everything happens? I can tell you, when I can't sleep, I start praying for this church. I'm not even kidding. It's like the sleep wants to like come right on me. Or I can open my Bible and try to read. If, if, if I can't sleep, that, that's what I try to do. It seems like when you set aside time to pray, there are well, there are often just very clear and potential interruptions. Peter is getting hungry, and God's going to use this thing in him to open up, a new revelation to him. He became hungry and he wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He like had dreamlike state, a visionary kind of thing. And he saw heaven open up. Here, here's where it gets interesting. And something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its, here it is, four corners. Ooh, yeah. So this is where our name comes from, seriously. So by the four corners. And it contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. And that, my friends, is my heart for you. Four-footed animals. No, no, no. No, there's some history here. There's some history here that's being represented. Here's what's about to happen. Up to this point, all the believers are Christian, or all the believers are Jewish Christians. They have a Jewish heritage. They're all It's a very homogenous group. They're all the same. But God is about to, through Cornelius and through Peter, turn the movement of the church to not just be for a select few, who have special heritage. He's about to turn the movement of the church to include whosoever will. John three sixteen: whosoever will may have eternal life. Up to this point, it's just for a select few with a shared culture, who know the right stuff, who have the same background, who have a certain amount of scriptural knowledge, but after this, not so. So all those four-footed creatures and reptiles and birds, they represent the diversity of God's creation outside the bounds of what was common or understood by the original few. This is the point at which when the sheet is opened up and the four corners are laid down, representing north, south, east, and west, covering the entire reality of creation, God is going to show Peter, who had been given his blood, sweat, and tears, to minister to the people who were like him. He's about to show Peter, I want you to reach out. I want you to go to others who are not necessarily like you, who don't have your experience who if you don't go to them, no one will. And I want you to make available to them the message of truth. I want you to show them what the intersection of their life with Christ can look like. I want you to explain to them that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the door. I'm the gate. I am the resurrection and the life. I want you to explain to them the meaning of that and what it can do in their lives if they'll open themselves up to God. He saw heaven being opened and something like like a large sheet and it contained all kinds of animals, birds. And then the voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Peter, being Jewish, knew that he couldn't eat that food. You know, there was like pork in there. And God's showing him that forever and a day after this, always after this, the vegetarians are misled. Because God clearly likes barbecue pork. (laughs) It's obvious, obvious in the scriptures right here, black and white. I want you to go kill this stuff and eat it. Hey, hey, listen, on a serious note, every once in a while, there's a fad that'll come along and like eat like the Bible eat, and, and, and maybe that's like healthy, but there's no more spiritual. I mean, if you eat pork every day, you're no less spiritual than the guy that abstains, according to passages like this in the entire book of Galatians. Read your Bible. On occasion, you'd be surprised at how it just takes the punch out of the current spiritual fads that are going around. So the voice told him, get up, and, and Peter's like, I'm not, I'm not going to eat that God. I'm devout. I won't do that stuff. You know how I am. I'm, I'm, and it, it becomes a debate in his mind, is he more Jewish or is he more Christian? Which is first, his culture or his God? His history or his future? And God says, look, if I've declared something clean, if I've told you to do it, who are you to question me? So Peter does. He gets up and he does the thing. And then God begins to show him, listen, I'm about to tear down some walls. And this message of Jesus is going to go to the four corners of the earth. I'm going to use you to do it. And up to this point, you've been the apostle to the Jewish people. But I'm going to use you as the first experience of the the message of Jesus going to a non-Jewish person. And that's going to start a domino effect. And in just a few days, there's going to be a man by the name of Paul. You don't even know about him, Peter. It's not in here, but it's happening. You turn your page. There's a man named Paul, and I'm going to use him in extremely significant ways to make the message of Jesus circle the globe. Way down in that chapter, about verse 34, Peter began to speak. He's at Cornelius' house. Cornelius has prayed, received Jesus, has had his God-fearing heart turned and identified towards Jesus, the specific Lord and Savior that God sent to connect men to him. Peter begins to speak, and he says, now here's the phrase for us. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what's right. I think you should get this verse in your heart. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. But he accepts from every nation, all four corners of the globe, at your house and the house next door. People who look and talk like we do, who've largely got their life together, we like people to think at least, They don't say the wrong words they say the right words they throw in a few amens at just the right moment they know how to dress how to carry themselves to church and those that don't from every nation anyone who fears him the fear of the lord the bible says the beginning of wisdom who has god in his right place understand that he could squash you like a bug but his love keeps him from doing it and so we walk in fear that in some cases almost is immobilizing but it actually draws us to him like wonder He is powerful and big, and yet he's close and near. And anyone who fears him and does what what is right, God won't show favoritism and say, hey, I'll take this guy over here because he does it right, but you don't. And so even even though you're like doing the thing and in a connection with me and trying to reach out and fear, I'm not going to take. God doesn't operate that way. That it really is a whosoever will kind of experience. Now, when that reality had settled on that crowd, something powerful happens that I hope happens to you with regularity. Well, Peter was still speaking these words. Now, here it is. This is where it gets like hardcore spiritual. The Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. Now, in the book of Acts, the proof that Jesus had gone to heaven and had left the gift of the Holy Spirit was that the Holy Spirit would, the, the languages, it would fall on people. And it was a part of the initiating of the church. God proving, even though Jesus is in heaven, I'm still with you. The language is, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in us. I said last week, that's why little kids talk about having Jesus in their heart. One, one kid asked his parent, you know, which, which left ventricle, right ventricle, where, where exactly does he live? Huh? It's just a metaphor that you're consumed, he's a part of you. Jesus said it, I'll be, I was with you, but I'll be in you. That's the active work of the Holy Spirit coming on people. If you're a believer in Jesus, it's happened to you. But also, after we believe in Jesus, there are these moments where you are reminded in a deep-knowing kind of way that God is present. John Wesley talked about the inner witness of the Spirit. Pentecostals call it being filled with the Spirit. Others talk about being baptized in a sense of And they debate over when and how and all that. But all of us are trying to get everybody to the same point. God's full active presence at work in your life. And in the early days, it had a specific form that was pretty regimented. And it looked just like what we're about to read. Up to this point, it was only Jewish people with the right culture and heritage. But for Cornelius, it changes. And the circumcised believers, that's the Jewish people, who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on non-Jewish people, even on Gentiles, even on people not like us. And they knew that that had happened because they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. That's In the book of Acts, that's a big deal. It confirms God's presence. It's a visible sign. People still debate that stuff today, but for our purposes today, the point is, is that God wants his people without favoritism, not just a select few, to experience his full work in their lives. The metaphor is there's a cup and your daily life drains it. It, 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 it. it lowers the reservoir, at least you feel like it does. And God wants to regularly fill the cup to overflowing with his presence. And in doing so, push out all the other influences, push out all the other allegiances, and make God front and center. This is what we were singing as you came, many of you, into the, into the room. We were singing about, God, not my will, but yours. God, God you're in charge. Overwhelm me with you. And sometimes for some of us, depending on our personality, it's a very emotional thing and you cry. Some of us, you get like the chills in your spine. Some of you, it's just a deep knowing. It's almost like an intellectual thing. Oh, The form changes, but it's the God who is without favor. Giving himself freely to those who desire him, who love him, who fear him, who put him first. My prayer is that every person that comes in this room and every person that walks through the doors of our new place, even if they don't know it's about to happen, Will soon experience the overflowing sense of God's presence in their life as their hearts are softened, as they open to Him, as He fills Himself into their lives. It changes them forever. In the book of Acts, Cornelius is the first. Unless you have a Jewish heritage in this room, we are all the great, 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 great grandsons and granddaughters of Cornelius, spiritually speaking because of his devoutness, and because of Peter's obedience. And when we named our church Four Corners, here was the common question we asked. Would we allow God to overflow our lives like Peter had? And in that overflowing, would we be willing to extend him to others? And overwhelming, we looked in each other's eyes, and we held hands often, and we prayed, and we served, and we said, absolutely, this is what we will do. We will give ourselves to this. And we will sacrifice and pray and some of us will adjust our vacations and we'll get our kids up early and we'll wrap them in blankets because they're cold and we'll make them stand out, out here and wait for this door to be open so we can serve in this place. Or we'll get Lakota West ready and we'll spend thousands of dollars to get that place looking great to try to transform it from a school into a place of transformation for people's lives. And we'll go and humble ourselves and borrow somebody else's building for four years And we'll take what is a building that doesn't really match our style at all, and we'll do the best we can to present God with clarity so that people who have a leaning heart towards God could experience him. And we'll move back to the rave, not really wanting to, and do our best to make it happen. And we'll sacrifice and serve to give ourselves a permanent home. Now listen, the locations change, the mission's the same. We are four corners. God is letting down the sheep to reach the globe and we're a part of that and it makes a huge difference that's why i have no shame in asking you please help us make this happen and if you can't for some emotional reason because you're mad or ticked at me talk with me or let's find you a church where you can get on board with the mission of jesus and it'll make a huge difference in your life but not just for you they were astonished when the holy spirit fell on others that's my joy my last little anecdote. Jesus, one day, is doing ministry all day long, all day long, all day long, all day long, and his disciples are with him. And one of the disciples finally says, when's this guy going to stop? We're hungry, Jesus. My God, would you stop? And they're like, oh, sorry. I said, my God. I'm... And so Jesus looks at them, and he says, here's the deal. I have food you don't know of. And the Bible says they begin to whisper among themselves, is, is he hiding food from us? What's the deal? Here's a leader who's hiding food from us. And Jesus says, no, no, my food, what nourishes me is to do the will of my Father. Somehow satisfies the deep longing. I want that for you. I want you to experience the overwhelming sense of God's Spirit at work in your lives as you humbly come to Him and say, God, you'll stretch me. I know, they stretched Peter. But if you'll use me, if you'll use me, I'll give myself to that. We say it around here, if you'll lead me, I'll follow Why don't you grab out your Connect card and let's take a few steps together as a congregation. So I wonder if you're in the room today and you haven't yet accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. We'll be patient and wait on you. You can keep coming. We'd love that. You don't have to believe what we believe to come here. But our hope is that you would come to know Jesus in his fullness, not just in a head knowledge, but he really is for you, not just for Ben, For you, the way, the truth, and the life. If you'd like to do that, you can check next step A. As an act of your faith, God, I want to follow you. I acknowledge I'm a sinner. I want you to lead or be the Lord of my life. If you check that box and kind of put that in the offering bucket when it comes by later, we'll send you some information for you to look at and read. And we'll be glad to chat with you. The information we send you will tell you how to do that. And just explain to you what this means. In a moment, we're going to pray about it. And you can just do what the Bible says. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth jesus i want you to be the lord of my life The bible says if you do that you'll be saved you'll have the holy spirit take residence in you you'll be open to what god's doing in your life next step b you want to be baptized check the box we'll get you going all right it's a big deal around here every time we do it for me that that's what that's the thing jesus was talking about when people get baptized around here i have food you don't know of that's what nourishes me all right i wonder if there's next step c I need more of God's active presence in my life. Like, is your your cup running low? D.L. Moody, one of the greatest preachers in America ever. You can still see the church that was built in his honor, Moody Memorial Church in Chicago. D.L. Moody said it this way, I need more of God's spirit every day. And somebody said, why? You seem like you got it all together. He said, because I leak. (laughs) Spiritual giant leaks. I leak. And I have to regularly say, God, would you fill me fresh and new with your spirit? Would you fill me, overflow me? Sometimes when he does, it's emotional. Sometimes it's a deep knowing. Sometimes I'm not even sure anything happens, but over the weeks and months I begin to see a change as I humble myself to him. And I say, God, do all of it in me, all of it, nothing held back. All right, next step D. So just pragmatically, I want to adjust my schedule or my husband's schedule so I may come help build now listen, I use this word important, the Lord's Church. I, listen, the title of the lease holding is in the names of the trustees of this church, not me. But it's the Lord's Church. We want to get it ready as a tool of ministry. If you want to do that, check the box. We'll shoot you a reminder information. And then show up, all right? Next step B. You have pledge cards in your seats. Because some of you have given. I'd like you to think about whether or not you'd like to identify an amount you're ultimately going to give. It just helps us budget I was joking about the carpet and that sort of thing, but if we know how much you're planning on giving, giving, we can adjust what we're planning on spending, and it really helps us. Helps your pastor not to get any more gray hair, all right? So think about making a commitment to an amount, and then you just put that in the offering bag, or take it home and mail it back to us in the offering envelope. Let's pray right now and celebrate what God's doing. Lord Jesus, you're an amazing God. God, this is a unique time in our history. It's a time where I think in some senses we're very much like Peter, And we're doing our thing, but you're interrupting us. And you're reminding us that it's bigger. The impact is far more reaching. It's more important than anything we've ever thought about. And so, God, on the eve of that, I just want to say to you, thank you for the faithfulness of those who have made it happen. God, thank you for those that you've transitioned, whose impact and fingerprint on this place will never dull. God, thank you for those that are still here, Working it out, just day by day. God, would you, would you forgive us for those that their experience here wasn't so great? And we're, we're responsible for that. God, you know that's not the kind of church we want to be. But God, in all of that, we're asking that you would continue to pour your spirit into us as a congregation and, and as individuals so that we could be filled up with your spirit. So that the people around us would see evidence of your spirit's work in our lives. We pray this in the name of Jesus, the strong Son of God. Amen. Amen.